Today we're talking about the resurrection. Now there are few, if any, stories in the Bible that are as important as the story of Jesus' resurrection. In fact, if you think about it, there are few, if any, stories in all the history of humankind that are as significant as the story of the resurrection of Jesus. Now there are other stories that are important to us. The story of creation, the beginning of all things, that, that's certainly important. And as we've been thinking about over the past few weeks in particular, the story of the crucifixion of Jesus is of utmost significance to our lives. But the story of the resurrection of Jesus trumps all of these. Because in the resurrection of Jesus, creation begins again. Life is recreated. In the story of the resurrection, life triumphs over death, beginning with the death of Jesus on the cross. So there are other stories that are highly important and highly significant. And you know what I find interesting, though, is some of these stories, like the story of the creation, we have a lot of information, really, about what happened as God created the world. You go back and, and read Genesis chapters 1 and 2, and you have accounts of what was said and what was done. We have day 1 and day 2 and day 3 and day 4 and day 5 and day 6. And on each of those days, and we, we see that God creates all the things, and he looks and says, this is good, this is very good. And if we want to know about how the crucifixion of Jesus happened, well, we can go to any of the four Gospels and read the accounts of what happened there. And we have very detailed information about Jesus being arrested, Jesus being tried, first of all, by the Jewish authorities and then by the Roman authorities. We have the death sentence handed out. We read that terrible account of his being flogged and beaten before his crucifixion. We have the details of his carrying his cross to Golgotha. And then if we dare, we keep reading and can almost hear the nails in our head as he is nailed to that cross and lifted up. And it doesn't even stop there. We have details about what happened while he, hang on the cr he hung on the cross we have words that he said and how he interacted with the people that were there mocking him. We even have it noted as he drew his last breath. So those two stories are important. So important we have a lot of details about how they happened. But I find it interesting that the most important story of all the most significant story of all, the story of the resurrection of Jesus, we actually have no story. We have no one there watching what happened when Jesus rose from the dead. We have no account of what it looked like for the risen Jesus to emerge from the tomb. We have no account of, of any kind of, of light or anything like that at the time of his resurrection. Usually when we see recreations of this, it's quite dramatic, and we would think it would be, but we just don't know. 
Now we compare that with a story that happened just a few days before this when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead back in John chapter 11. And there we have details. We have the story of Jesus coming into the cemetery. We have him talking to Mary and Martha. And then we are called to stand there with the crowd as Jesus calls out, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus emerges from the tomb wrapped in his grave clothes. And Jesus says, take those off of him. Let him go free. But when it comes time for Jesus to be resurrected from the dead, The most significant event in all of history. We don't really know what that looked like. All we have is the stories of how people reacted to the resurrection of Jesus. And how they interacted with him afterwards. If we go back and read all four of the gospel accounts... There are are just stories everywhere about people talking about that Jesus has been raised from the dead. In fact, there's so many stories that it's hard to kind of mesh them all together and figure out which one happened at this time and this time and, and who came first and what was going on here because they were all running around talking about Jesus has been raised from the dead. The first people to encounter this truth I'll try not to move. The first people to encounter this truth were the women. We read about them in Luke. We read about them in Mark. In fact, all the Gospels talk about the women. As they get up early Sunday morning, having taken the Sabbath off and rested because you weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath, they had helped prepare as best they could the body of Jesus for the grave that Friday evening when he was buried But now they've been waiting for the sun to start coming up on Sunday morning. And they begin making their way to the cemetery to finish the burial process of Jesus. And when they get there, they find out that the tomb is open. And they wonder what has happened. And they look inside the tomb and see that it's empty. And they first think someone has come and stolen the body of Jesus. But two men, two angels, appear to them and tell them that's not true. He is risen. And it's interesting that he, the angels also tell them, and don't be afraid. And guess what Mark tells us? Guess what Luke tells us? They were afraid. They were terrified. In fact, in Mark's account, they just run off. They're so scared. Wouldn't you be if you went? And found a tomb empty and two angels telling you that he is risen. They run back and tell the apostles. And as they're telling the apostles, we went to the the cemetery and and the tomb is empty. And and these two guys told us that he is risen from the dead. And, And what were the apostles' first reaction? How did they react to that at the very beginning? They didn't believe it. Things like that don't happen. Have you ever seen it happen? No, neither had they. They just write this off to some hysterical witnesses that, you know, these women had gone out there and they said, oh, these are just idle tales. They don't know what they're talking about. But Peter and John run out to the cemetery to see just what has happened. And when they get there, they find the tomb empty. And they find the grave clothes 
neatly rolled up and laid aside. And there, John tells us, they started believing that this had really happened. Another reaction is Mary Magdalene, who went that first time with the women and evidently had gone back when Peter and John ran back, and she's standing there in the cemetery crying when suddenly someone walks up behind her and she thinks it's the garden and gardener, and, and, and the man says, why are you crying? And she says, well, somebody's come and stolen a body, a body of my friend. And as she cries, the man behind her says, Mary? Ah, she's heard that voice before. She knows what it's like for that voice to call her name. And she turns and says, teacher. And she is just so excited. She wants to grab him and hug him, and he says, not yet, not yet. I also must ascend to my father. Well, the apostles back in their locked room, they're scared too. They're afraid somebody's going to come arrest them, that all these things are going to happen to them. And suddenly Jesus is in the room with them. And this time they're ready for it. And we read the account that their reaction is that they are just overjoyed. They rejoice to see Jesus. And they have that time of reunion, and Jesus begins his teaching with them, explaining what has happened, what's about to happen. But there was one apostle not there. Oh, and his name will live forever, won't it? Old Thomas, he was at the 7-Eleven picking up snacks. I get that. I always think that. I don't know where he was. But I feel like Thomas, you know, he, he, he was sent on some kind of an errand. That's just my idea. But the problem is when he gets back, that the other apostles tell him, we saw Jesus. He has been raised from the dead. He is alive. And what was Thomas's reaction to that news? Oh, the word that's always linked to his name, doubting Thomas. He said, this doesn't happen. I've never seen anything like that happen before. Have you? But Jesus came and appeared to him. He said, Thomas, you said you weren't going to believe till you saw me. You said you weren't going to believe until you could put your hands in my wounds. Well, here, here I am. And now Thomas's reaction was, my Lord and my God. By the way, Jesus goes on to say something about us in that passage. Did you know you're in the Bible? You are. You're right there. Right here in this passage, in John chapter 20, when he's talking to Thomas. He says, you believe because you have seen, but blessed are those who will come after you who believe without seeing. There you are. Well, the reactions continue. We have a story of some men who are going back home to Emmaus. They had been in Jerusalem for the Passover. They were disciples of Jesus, or at least interested in Jesus. And they had been excited that maybe Jesus was going to be the Messiah, and then it just all went south. Jesus was crucified. And they're walking along, talking about all these things, and suddenly they're joined by another man. And you know that story. And you know who that man was. But it wasn't until they sat down at a meal that they knew 
who that man was, who was now walking with them and would walk with them for the rest of their lives. We had the people at Pentecost. Some of them had been there for the crucifixion of Jesus. And when Peter got up and began preaching that, yes, Jesus was crucified, but God has said yes to your no, he has given him life again, and at least 3,000 of them believed that, believed it so much that they were baptized, that they gave their lives to living for this man who once was dead and now is alive forever. Didn't always go that well. There were others there in the crowd that scoffed at the idea, that made fun of the idea that anyone would live again. Paul went and stood on Mars Hill in the city of Athens, where the great educated people of his day gathered to talk about interesting ideas. And he was invited to deliver to them his philosophy, his way of looking at life. And he began to tell them all these things that God had done, and they were impressed. They were impressed until he got to the point where he said, and he sent his son Jesus, who died, but he raised him from the dead. And right there, many of them just began laughing. That doesn't happen. And they told him to go away. Everything was okay until he mentioned the greatest story at all, the resurrection of Jesus. But isn't it interesting that the only stories we have are the way people reacted to the resurrection? So I was thinking about that over this past week. God's wisdom is so great and so deep. Isn't it interesting that he only gives us the accounts of how people reacted to the fact that Jesus is alive? Now, I can't speak for God in that matter, but I kind of think that he was leading us on. Because what he's telling us is this. You can read about how other people reacted to this news. But the most important story you will ever tell, the most important story you will ever write, is how you react to this news. Whether it is a life-changing event for you as well whether the fact that Jesus arose from the dead and now lives with God forever changes everything about your life, whether it gives you new life, whether or not in the life of Jesus you find who you are as well. Peter later on talks about this in the letter that he wrote that we call 1 Peter. Right at the very beginning of the letter, he just raises up his arms and shouts out, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth. He's given us a new start. And most of us in this room have wanted a new start somewhere along the way. And Peter says it comes to us by the mercy of God that we are not held accountable for who we were in the past, and we don't have to go back and, and undo the things we can't go back and undo. But he has given us a new birth into a living hope, 
I love that terminology, living hope. It means a hope for life, yes, but it's a hope by which we can live. It's a hope that restores our life. You know, you can't live without hope. You can't live without hope that, that, that things lie in front of us that are good, that are pulling us forward. Young people tend to have a natural hope. But as we go through life, sometimes that hope begins to fade. And as we get into our older years, we wonder if life hasn't, isn't something that has happened in the past. But God tells us that he has brought us into a hope that will help us to live our entire lives and give us life through eternity. And where did all this happen? Well, right here, into a living hope. Where? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And Paul talks about this as well. In Romans chapter 1, he says, The gospel is all about Jesus. He who was declared to be the Son of God with power. How was he declared to be the Son of God with power? By the resurrection from the dead. And then he continues in chapter 4 when he's celebrating our renewed relationship with God, something he calls righteousness. He says this gift of relationship with God, this righteousness will be given to us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was handed over to death for our trespasses, but who was raised to make us right with God. Now, how do we react to news like that? That's the most important story for you today and tomorrow and the rest of your life. Whenever you realize that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, do we simply dismiss it as something that's kind of filed away in the back of our head? And yeah, I know it's there and it's what Easter's all about and it's what church is kind of about and, you know, it's just sort of there. Or does it become something that changes our lives? Does it give us hope? Does it give us life to live? That no matter what we're going through right now, that we can live in hope because God loves us and things are right between me and God. And we know that because the news was one time announced, Jesus has risen from the dead. React. React in some way. God calls us to respond to his greatest invitation that he has ever given. Let's stand and sing.